Hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcady Economics and excited to have everyone at home who is joining us because today we're going to be digging into Fortuna Silver's third quarter earnings, which came in with record production and some very successful financial results, especially on the heels of finally getting Seguela into production, now a full quarter of production. So plenty to talk about, as well as some other recent news that has been going on with Fortuna and Welcome on in to everyone who is joining us. Of course, today I'm joined by Jorge Ganoza, the president and CEO of Fortuna, Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics, and Greg Crennan, who has appeared on the show a couple of times from Golden Coast Consultants, who is also a fan of Fortuna, and we'll have some questions to dig into. But to get things started, Jorge, congratulations on quite a successful quarter. Uh, as we've talked about quite a bit over the past months and years you've been building the Seguela mine for two years now it is up and running and as you've said uh now receiving the harvest from that so perhaps we could start off and you could walk us through the results and how uh, everything came along thank you uh, chris and and uh for the opportunity to speak to your audience again uh yes this was a i th i think of it as, as an inaugural quarter uh, because it's the first time we consolidate results of our, our flagship mine and fifth mine in the portfolio, which is Seguela. Uh, we had a record quarter on the back of this in terms of uh, gold equivalent production. We delivered 128,000 ounces of gold which is an increment of 38% compared to, to the previous quarter, to the second quarter of this year. When we look at sales, we, we had a revenue of $243 million, which is an increase of 53% compared to the previous quarter. When we look at net earnings, we recorded net earnings of 27.5 million or nine cents per share. When we adjust for one-time events, uh, that comes up to 10 uh, cents per share, beating analyst consensus of around six to seven cents per share. So we beat market and analyst consensus by a, by a wide margin. But more importantly, at, at the end of the day, how all of this translates into cash. We had a net operating uh, uh, cash flow uh, from operations of $106 million and free cash flow from operations of $70 million, which compares to $9.5 million in the previous quarter. So as you see, in all these relevant metrics for the business, we had significant uh, improvements driven uh, by Seguela and strong performance across the mines portfolio. Okay, and obviously, I know you've been excited to get Seguela up and running. And curious, um, how much of this was driven primarily by Seguela as opposed to changes in any of the other mining operations over the past quarter? Well, uh, Seguela was certainly a, a significant contributor to this. Uh, we delivered at... Uh, at Seguela, 
31,000 ounces of, of gold, which we didn't have in the previous quarter. Uh, but more importantly, uh, those ounces were produced at an, a cash cost of under $500 and a, at an all-in sustaining cost of uh, under $800, right? So not only a significant amount of nuances, but with industry-leading cost, a low industry-leading cost. Uh, now, we had other good news in, in, in across the portfolio. The Yaramoco mine in Burkina Faso uh, delivered above our plans for the quarter. It delivered you know, uh, 34,000 ounces of gold. So that was uh, on the back of higher grades in some new exciting zones were transitioning through the mine. It reported a low cost uh, for the period of $1,200 per ounce. No? So, you know, all in all, all the mines across the portfolio performed this uh, significant increase and, and change in the complexity of our business was certainly driven by Seguela and to uh, a lesser degree by uh, Yaramoco. Yeah, and in addition with that uh, 7.72 grams per ton head grade at Yaramoco, you also increased the guidance as basically you've hit the previous guidance already in the first three quarters, and perhaps you could touch on that one there. Yes, Yaramoco's been uh, for the year uh, performing above our expectations on the back of higher grades, right? So that led us uh, in the previous uh, quarter, so not in the previous quarter, but in the previous uh, production uh, at the end of the quarter to upgrade guidance, right? So our guidance right now hovers around 110, uh, 120,000 ounces of gold. And we believe we're going to meet that even in the upper end of the range. No? So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a mine that uh, continues giving. And uh, we continue exploring aggressively there as well. No, it's it's one of our, within the portfolio, one of our focus for, for exploration. And uh, I can only say that we're very happy with the work that the team at Burkina Faso, the Yeramoco mine is delivering, yeah. Well, it certainly has been going well there. And Jorge, something you touched on uh, a few moments ago, did mention quite a decrease in the cost. Here we see cash costs going from 968 to 814 all in sustaining coming down from 1799 to 1312 is this uh, a rate at which you think will be steady going forward is going to continue to decrease as seguela continues to produce or what would you be looking at going forward any expectations perhaps in the fourth quarter and beyond in terms of the cost side when we look at this beyond no, on the medium long term, I uh, I think of what is the average cost for global uh, uh, gold supply from from the mines. Those are figures that the World Gold Council provides, right? So uh, today, uh, the average uh, all in sustaining cost for global gold mine supply hovers around $1,400 per ounce, no? So uh, I wanna see Fortuna producing, you know, 
in that range, in the media, in the average, or below. So uh, in the second quarter, we reported a historic high all-in sustaining cost of almost $1,800. That by no means is a reflection of the business. Uh, or all-in sustaining cost in the previous quarter was impacted by shortfalls in production in Mexico and operational uh, one-time issues in, uh, in, in Burkina Faso, the Yeramokuma, uh, that uh, created shortfalls in production and, and higher costs. So uh, moving forward, I believe $1,400 per ounce is a good range to think about or, or, or ongoing costs on a consolidated basis. Okay, and certainly with where the gold price stands today is good news going forward. So with that said, Greg, I'd like to pass it over to you and uh, perhaps you can start with any questions that you have. Greg, you're muted still. Thank you and congratulations on, on another good quarter. Uh, as to get investors excited about uh, Fortuna, you know, everyone's always uh, willing to, you know, buy into the company when the price of uh, silver rises. But can you elaborate a little bit more on, uh, like you said, the, just how important gold is to Fortuna going forward to maybe get more of a sense than that you guys are doing more than just silver uh, to attract uh, new investors uh, to the company? Yes. You know, uh, Fortuna Silver Mines or, or names, or it's, it's, it's silver is branded in our name. Uh, we we started Fortuna back in 2004, 2005 uh, with a strong focus on, on silver, but bear in mind that in those days, silver was trading at three to four dollars. So uh, yeah, it's part of our heritage for sure. But some years ago, we made the strategic decision to seek growth also in this gold space, not only silver. So that was a conscious, uh, a choice, a strategic choice we made some years ago already. So I'll say that uh, uh, five, six, six, seven years ago, 70% uh, of our revenue came from silver. We were a much smaller company. Today, that has switched. Today, 78% of our revenue comes from gold and 15% uh, from silver. The balance is uh, a sink and lead byproducts uh, that we get out of our Cayoma mine in Peru. So today we're, we're more a, a gold producer. Uh, but you know what? When you look at the history or the evolution of other companies in, in our precious metal space that started in silver, Usually that journey, as you seek growth, takes you more on the side of, of gold assets, right? So today we think ourselves as a precious metals producer uh, with a nice silver kicker. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we haven't given up on silver. Last year, uh, we had 12 drill rigs turning even at the beginning of this year. Out of the 12 drill rigs, eight were pursuing silver opportunities. No, So we're still very much focused on silver. But rather than, than making a distinction between silver and gold, when we look at the assets, we try to see which one has a more 
which makes more business sense, which provides better margins, right? This is a business of margins. As we do not control the commodity price, uh, we don't have pricing power in this business. Uh, margins is, are key. And, and that's what we focus on within the gold-silver space. And uh, so following up with that, so uh, you guys are doing a great job as far as, you know, keeping your costs down for gold. You, you Like you mentioned in your margins, uh, do you think that in the future, if things continue to trend more positively for Fortuna, uh, that you can start issuing a uh, dividend uh, to entice investors uh, to, you know, invest in the company uh, since there is so many, you know, with higher interest rates uh, as investors are seeking, a, you know, a safer return? Uh, and less risk in uh, companies. Do you think that is a possibility uh, if the price of gold or and or silver uh, rise steadily in the future? Topic uh, return to shareholders is a topical issue for us. And uh, we also have to recognize that mining is a capital intensive business. We're just coming out of uh, uh, two years of intense investment in the business with, with, with Seguela. And so we, we now transition into a, a harvest mode, right? So uh, our priorities with respect to capital allocation to speak about returns, how are we gonna allocate capital in the business? One is lower down our debt. A mining company needs to be run with a fortress balance sheet. So uh, we're not a highly leveraged company or, or debt to EBITDA, ratio is a low 0.5 today, but we believe that number should be even lower under different price scenarios. So uh, <laughs> that is a priority, bring down debt. We made a, a significant $40 million payment on our credit facility uh, in the quarter, and you'll see us continue on that path. Second is fund uh, exploration continue ensuring that our exploration budgets are well-funded. Organic growth is the cheapest growth we can provide our shareholders with. It's where we can uh, get our hands on, on the biggest value opportunities for shareholders. So you'll see us allocating capital to bringing down debt, allocating capital to ensure our exploration uh, programs remain well-funded. We have a lot of exciting high value opportunities in the portfolio. Also reserve replacement at the mines is key. And then how do we start returning, you know, uh, to our shareholders? Dividends is an option. I Jorge, we've lost your audio. Uh, can you, can we try again, Jorge? Bear with us a moment as we get Jorge back on here. Although, Craig, I know that's something that he's talked about a bit before with the returning capital to shareholders. They do have the share buyback program that hopefully we can get Jorge to touch on when we have him back with us here. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. You know, buybacks are always great. And uh, it's just hard when uh, trying to attract 
you know, new investors into the sector when, you know, and people can, you know, get 5% returns now on a short-term, uh, short-term, you know, debt. So uh, it's just a hard environment to attract, you know, new investors, especially as the, you know, there's nothing wrong, but the, as the price of silver kind of stays stagnant in this, uh, you know, $23 range and uh, gold kind of, you know, stagnates on this, you know, $2,000 $2, an ounce, basically. So, you know, everything's great for Fortuna, but to, you know, just to attract investors, you know, it's, it's a lot, you know, very complicated to uh, attract that, you know, spark into the industry right now. On the other hand, I mean, you you invest in equities for equity rates of return, not not five percent on a T bill or something. You know, I, I don't I don't care about five percent. That's not keeping up with real inflation. So I look at a stock like Fortuna, and intrinsically and fundamentally, it's crazily undervalued. I mean, it trades at a big discount to book value, and so I mean, if they're gonna you know, put a 3% dividend on it or whatever, that doesn't really attract me. What I, what attracts me is at some point, we're going to see a sustained move over 2000 in gold and into the high twenties on silver and one that won't get banged down by the manipulators. And that's when you're going to see stocks like Fortuna double and triple. And that's what, I think that's what people are playing mining stocks for, not, not a, not a dividend. I mean, if I want 5%, I'll put it in three month T-bills. <clears throat> No, absolutely. Listen, no one is a bigger believer in the, the boom of fiat than me. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that the current market, uh, you know, won't dictate, you know, and I also think Fortune is uh, and a lot of the other mining companies are undervalued. So, but, you know, and, you know, while we're waiting for the price of gold and silver to rise to really boost the, the value of these companies, uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, I, I do think it's great to have a position in the portfolio as they are undervalued. But, you know, it's definitely, you know, just trying to draw some spark, you know, that can happen, say, today versus waiting for that that price to uh, rise in the future. Is, is, is Jorge back with us? Sorry, do you hear me now? No. Yes. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Well, with I, I, I agree that in this, uh, uh, you know, rates uh, environment, yeah, uh, return to shareholders becomes even more topical. And uh, our business is a capital intensive business. So it's key for us that we balance that. And, and in the case of Fortuna, we're coming out of that capital intensive phase that we all cycle through in, in mining and uh, return to shareholders. Yeah, it's a topical issue. Uh, right now, as I said, priorities for us, bring down debt. We mining companies need fortress balance sheets and uh, organic growth that's key and then return to shareholders and and share buybacks those have to be opportunistic depending on where you see your your value and uh, a special dividend or 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 or, or other means uh, uh, more uh, regular dividend. for me a dividend needs to meet two criteria needs to be uh, meaningful and needs to be sustainable right uh, otherwise, you will not get value for that dividend, right? So uh, building that with a portfolio of long-lived assets uh, that give you that predictability with good assets that provide uh, the, 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 the cash flows to pay a dividend, a meaningful dividend, is key, right? And, and, and it takes work and, and building a portfolio that can support that, yeah.
And Jorge, what is the thought process amongst the dividend versus a share buyback? What do you look at in terms of some of those different methods of returning shareholder capital? The buybacks in my mind are opportunistic, right? Uh, you do the buyback when you take a position on what's uh, your your value, your NAV, and and uh, where your your shares are trading at, and uh, and uh, then you become uh, active on the buyback. We have a share buyback in place, uh, and we're looking to to reinitiate our share buyback uh, today. No, uh, I think if you ask most mining companies today, they'll they'll find a strong case for share buybacks, right? Uh, and and we're in that boat, uh, and also the dividend. But again, I see a lot of companies paying dividend for the wrong reason. I see a lot of companies paying zero point zero zero four cents per share, uh, just to say that they pay a dividend. No, I, I mean, to your point, Greg. Uh, I mean, you want a meaningful dividend and one that gives you predictability, right? I and that that's what makes sense. That that's good business sense, and absolutely. we want to get there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And I mean, you know, if if the price of gold and silver went higher on a you know sooner than you know expected, I mean that that could be something that to be uh, very excited for for Fortuna and and investors in the company as a whole, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I would point to B2 Gold. It pays a 5% dividend. It's among the highest that I'm aware of in the mining stock industry, and it's not helping B2 Gold stock right now. So, I mean, the way I look at it, I mean, you generated $70 million of free cash flow in the, in the third quarter. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be repeated successively going forward. You might have some idea of that. But if you've got rate of return opportunities that exceed, you know, even if you put a 5% dividend on the stock, I mean, you have investment opportunities like Dion Basud that could be absolute home runs. And I'd rather, I'm invested in Fortuna because I have faith that management's going to take the free cash flow and invest it in rates of return that are much higher than I can get investing in T-bills. And you know, I, yeah, to, to, to your point there, you know, we don't make toothpaste or, or Coke, no? I mean... Uh, uh, our, our business is different, right? Uh, you know, I I, I I come across a lot of investors who who read and listen a lot to to Mr. Uh, 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 to to uh, uh, you know uh, the Berkshire Hathaway Buffett. yeah crowd, no, the Berkshire Hathaway crowd. Uh, Munger and, and and Buffett and they hate to to listen about Evita and and they uh, they like the dividend and the steady dividend. But Mr. Buffett and Mr. Munger are investors in 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 Coca Cola, right? And insurance companies. Our business is completely different. Still a business. Still investors need to demand a, a, a value creation, value accretion, and a and a dividend. You know, I I my background is in in a in a family mining business so you know we uh, dividends you you demand a dividend from, from every from from your investment but uh, to your point we are on an ever depleting business it's not like coca-cola where you have the magical formula uh, <laughs> our business is depleting every day 
So we need to invest heavily to replace those reserves. Uh, and, and that's the challenge in our industry, right? Uh, now, we can provide sometimes with a good asset, uh, and, and that's the, 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 the challenge, uh, three times over our cost. Coke cannot do that, right? We can provide you know, three times margins, three times, not 20%, not 30%, three times margins. Right, so we 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 have to get there. We have to construct, build that portfolio. In Fortuna, we're in that journey, right? Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, the, our priorities are strong balance sheet, invest in, in organic growth. We have an exciting pipeline of opportunities, and uh, other means to return to shareholders via buybacks or or the dividend, uh, or if we have a good investment in front of us. We're not deal junkies in Fortuna. In 18 years, we have built four mines, five mines. You know, I, I, uh, we are careful stewards of capital. Capital allocation is something we take very seriously. You know, I don't say that we always get it 100%, but we try to keep our mistakes small. And, uh, you know, there's always risk. We're willing to take it. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And All right, so uh, just a quick question. As far as uh, when you guys have the new mines going, has there been any recent development on uh, additional metals uh, to participate in more of the growing EV space for the batteries, any type of lithium deposits or uh, mm -hmm. going into copper to kind of get more of that market share and grow outside of just precious metals? That's a good question, and and uh, we, you know we we discuss our business strategically, you know, more than quarter to quarter. We sit and reflect on where should we be or where we wanna be. Uh, I know EV and and the transition metals and and all of that is topical and in everybody's mind, and uh, you know. But uh, we have decided, and this is a strategic choice, to remain uh, focused on, on precious metals. We do believe and subscribe strongly to the idea that uh, through human history, uh, across cultures, uh, gold has played and continues to play a pivotal role in the economic system, even from ancient times, right? So uh, today, who's the largest buyer of gold? Who is supporting gold price? Central banks, no? Who's buying gold today? You know, we might be talking about, you know, the investors who are not participating and they wanna see a dividend, but the largest purchaser of gold today are central banks. And for the last two years, almost central banks. So gold continues to play a pivotal role in bringing order uh, and predictability to the economic system. So uh, we wanna be uh, players in that space and, and that's where we will remain focused. Okay. Uh, Jorge, you were talking a bit about some of the ways that you like to deploy capital and rather than just doing dividends or share buybacks, obviously doing a lot of exploration. And I know you have drill rigs now turning on Biamba Sud, which was part of the 
Chesser acquisition that you closed on, I believe it was in September. And just curious now that you're on the ground there and beginning the process, if you could give us an update on how things are going, anything that you've learned so far in the couple of weeks now that you've been active there. I first have to say that we closed the deal in September and uh, comes November and we already have three drill rigs turning. So I think that uh, integration ability to hit the ground running is there a praise to to Paul Whedon or VP Exploration to David Whittle or CEO for West Africa for bringing all of that together quickly, efficiently. And, uh, you know, the Ambassador today is still a sub-million ounce deposit. We will not likely build a sub-million ounce mine, but we have extremely high expectations with respect to the ability to grow the Ambassador well beyond the million We have started uh, drilling the main core area of the deposits, you know, trying to, to uh, help bring a better understanding of the mineralization model and then gradually stepping out. So, you know, I think by mid next year, we'll be in a much stronger position to, to uh, you know, start, we should start seeing uh, the, the outcome of the work we're currently doing, right? Mid next year. I can advance to you that we're drilling, we're hitting the core zones, enhancing uh, the, the understanding of the deposit, the, the geologic understanding of the deposit, which is key, before we can start stepping out aggressively, right? So it's a process and, and we just have to go through it. So far, so good. I can report that you know, or, or uh, we haven't found anything that uh, does not support our original thesis. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, especially it's just been two months now that you've been up and running there. So great to hear that things are already in process. And Mr. Kranzler, I will turn it over to you. I know you had a couple of questions here today and uh, why don't you take it from there? Just just a couple here. Um, speaking of Diamba Sud, um, are, will we get to see drill results from what's going on there now anytime soon? We are planning for a, a comprehensive uh, result, uh, results update for the exploration group in no, this at the end of this month of November. There you should see not just the Ambassador, but you know, as I said, more comprehensive uh, update on on our exploration activities across the portfolio. So um, I just had a couple other mine specific questions. Um, I mean, Lindero, obviously the, the all-in sustaining cost this quarter was a function of the fact that you're sequencing right now. And I was just wondering, um, in terms of the leash pad expansion, when do you expect that to be completed? And um, how do you think that'll affect production and, and all-in sustaining costs at Lindero? The leach pad expansion is... Uh, uh... <clears throat> It's our largest capital project in, in this year. Uh, it was always planned. And it was always in, 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 in the feasibility study, you know, the third year leach pad expansion. And uh, it should be concluded by second half of next year, right? Uh, work has started. We're about 13% advanced key uh, consumables, key, key 
products that we use, like geomembrane and geotextiles, are arriving on site. The, the main earthworks contractor is mobilizing and, and all of that is advancing well. Uh, so it's a large capital project. So it will burden the all-in sustaining cost. I think we should expect to see all-in sustaining costs remaining in the range of 16 to $1,700 as this project progresses throughout the coming quarters until it's complete. Uh, yeah. But uh, do you, any thoughts on what that'll come down to, and and is that, or you will it expand the production at all at Lindero? No, it's not an expansion project. Uh, it's a sustaining project. No, we have at this mine over a decade of mining in the in the reserves. It's a large uh, gold copper porphyry. It's a big animal. Uh, so we need to make room uh, to place all those stones that we mine for leaching. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not an expansion project. It's a sustainability project. Moving forward, post leach pad expansion, we would expect to see all in sustaining costs gravitating towards the fourteen hundred dollar per ounce level. No? Remember that in twenty twenty two or all-in sustaining cost at Lindero was $1,142. And it was our largest free cash flow contributor. No, uh, We just have to get this large capital project behind us. And yeah. Right, understood. Um, and then I just wanted to turn to Yaramoko. I'm forever the optimist. And I'm just wondering, um, on the back of the recent drilling success, is, is the goal there just to kind of improve the output and the grade for the remaining life of mine? Or do you think there's a chance to extend the life of mine with what, you've, what you're finding at this point? You know, the original plan for Yaramoko was for this mine began production in 2016. Oh. And its life of mine was uh, to come to an end in 2022. So the mine is larger than what was originally bid. It's like twice the size. And now we are uh, we had a, a good 2022. We're having a very strong 2023. And we're looking forward to a very strong 2024. And uh, currently we have uh, reserves in the mine plant to mining until 2025, right? We continue exploring and working to see if we can continue rolling that life of mine. And, and uh, we've been successful over the last 24 months in doing that. So as they say in the financial industry, you know, uh, money managers, past performance is no measure of future success. Right. Uh, you know, we, we apply the same here. I cannot guarantee that we'll be able to, to successfully continue rolling the life of mine, but I can tell you that we're drilling, we're funding the exploration budgets to achieve that, right? Yeah, and, and we have options. When we look at the, the when I review the exploration uh, targets and the ideas that the exploration team generates, I, I see legitimate targets. We're not doing crazy stuff just for drilling. There are legitimate targets that we're pursuing. And, and uh, some of these high grades that have benefited 2023 
are the outcome of that exploration. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great, thanks. And then just, just one last question. Um, obviously, you guys are busy with Diambasud, and I'm, again, being an optimist, from what I've seen in the presentations, et cetera, I'm, I'm excited for it. And hopefully I'll get to visit it when you guys are uh, building the mine or have it built. But um, do you, are there any other West African projects that you're contemplating or looking at or that are on your radar at this point? Yeah, throughout Latin America and throughout West Africa, there are a lot of things we monitor. There are a lot of things we like. I have to say that the opportunity flow today, and that changes over time, right? But today, the opportunity flow uh, seems, seems a bit more uh, uh, fluid on the West African side, uh, a bit more opportunity emerging on the West African side. I think Chesser speaks to that, no? the ambassador, the acquisition of that. Uh, but we we are we monitor actively opportunities you know in both regions and uh and and that's what we want that's why we went to west africa to enhance the opportunity flow and uh we i believe we're, we we have achieved that we see a lot uh, in both regions not just west africa and jorge what is the boundary between Obviously, you have five mines in operation now. You have a lot of targets at Seguela that you're still looking forward to explore. What What's the boundary between when it becomes too much? Obviously, you want to grow and you're looking for attractive targets, but is there some point where you don't want to be spread too thin? And how do you go about thinking about that as opportunities come up? Yeah, I mean, talking about strategy, that's another strategic choice we, we can make, right? we decided to expand into two regions, right? So with respect to bandwidth to manage the business, you will not see Fortuna uh, going into a new region, let's say. We're not a global player, we're a regional player. So you'll see Fortuna anchored in West Africa and LATAM, right? Uh, I don't believe Fortuna today has the bandwidth to effectively manage a third region, for example, yeah. right? So we make a strategic choice to stay in these two regions. And within the regions, we favor business opportunities in the countries where we already operate, and there are five of those, or near neighbors, where we can leverage the management teams and infrastructure that we have in place and, and, and uh, do that. So. Within the regions, for example, in, in West Africa, we currently have two mines. Can we manage a third one in West Africa? Yes, I think we have a team in place, experience, the, the people, the resources. Uh, so I think within the region, we can be a bit more aggressive, thinking about the type of assets that we see. But certainly, we are not looking to, to expand beyond those regions because we would lose efficiency and, and, and capacity to provide oversight. Uh, you know, so five, six mines in the regions where we are, it's something we feel quite comfortable with. Okay, makes sense. And Dave, was, uh, was there any other questions you had today, my friend? Well, I got. Okay, and Greg, anything on your side? No, everything uh, was great. Thank you. 
Okay, and Jorge, we do have a few questions coming in from our viewing audience, which of course I'd like to get to. Uh, and uh, Jake is asking, what is our your gold to silver ratio coming out of the ground right now? Gold to silver ratio coming out of the ground. I'm not sure I understand the question perfectly. In, in terms of how much gold you're producing relative to silver. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, or we produce about six and a half million ounces of silver a year, six, six and a half million ounces of silver a year. Uh, on, on, on the side of all these, more like 300,000, 350,000 ounces, right? Uh, now, in terms of revenue, no, 78% uh, of revenue is coming from gold and 15% from silver. The balance, as I said at the beginning of the call, is uh, that 5% balance is uh, sink and lead. Yeah. Okay, and he was also asking for an update on Sunbird. And if I can add on to that, um, something that we talked about before, but I think is worth updating in these calls, just any timeline or sequence of some of the different targets at Seguela that you're moving on towards. We're, moving, we're doing a lot of work on, on, on uh, or, or targets in, in Seguela, Sandberg being the major one. In, at Sandberg, we completed the infield drill program and uh, we're working to bring now uh, or do the, the technical work to bring those uh, resources to the reserves inventory. I can advance to you that there is a case for underground mining there now that has emerged. It's not just open pit, but also underground. And uh, we're following on that at Sandbird with engineering work and more drilling uh, to support the underground mine planning. Yeah. And outside of that, we continue drilling at Badior, Barana, and, and other projects that we have at Seguela on the pipeline. Okay, and one thing that we did not touch on yet, but certainly I'm sure you're happy with how this came out, did have a court ruling at, down at the mine in San Jose, where the court ruled in your favor. I know that's something you've had to deal with over the uh, pretty much throughout this whole year, ever since you had that decision for Semernat. But if you could just remind people who may not have heard that news, and for those who have just uh, if there's any further appeals or anything that can happen now or how that situation rests now that you got the court ruling. Yes, just for background, no? this is a saga that has been going on since October of 2021, my God. Uh, so we're very uh, happy to see uh, a second uh, court ruling in our favor on this matter. Uh, really the, the arguments that Semarnat put forward were surprising to say the least uh, and uh, the court didn't give any credit to, to those surprising arguments and uh, so I hope that uh, noise is behind us you know in, 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 in the world of, uh, of, of uh, this type of legal issues, there is always some room to appeal. So I would expect they appeal that court ruling, uh, but I just don't see that going anywhere for them, right? Uh, 
really the arguments that they tried to put forward on that uh, annulling resolution they issued in uh, January of, of this year was really far out. And, and the court didn't take one single argument that they put in that resolution. Well, I see you have one very happy shareholder over there, and Dave Transler, who is is. Uh, uh, it's been it's been you know it's when you are uh, having to spend more time with lawyers and with geologists or your mining team. That's a that's a distraction, right? Uh, but I you know I think this is behind us. Yeah, I, I well, was just appreciating the the diplomacy of Jorge's words there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I had I had in my scripts and in my mind a whole different set of words. Yeah, I, I, can I, imagine. I, had the, I have my legal counsel and the Mexican team uh, is the, you know begging that I use a more kind uh, language. <laughs> I just had one quick question, circling back to the potential for underground mining at, at Sunbird. Is it too early to tell yet, or would you have to tweak the way you process the ore if you're pulling it out from underground? No, no, no changes on metallurgy, so no wow. changes processing, and and uh, really the optimization, the the introduction of uh, underground is not driven solely by sandbird. Uh, the strip ratio, the overall uh, life of mine strip ratio for Segela is around eleven, but within that you have some small pits with higher stripping and other pits with lower stripping. So really we needed to do an optimization trade-off study to see uh, at what time should underground become an option, particularly in those higher stripping pits. Mm -hmm. And uh, now Sandbird is kind of uh, accelerating us to, to start doing that work earlier. You know, we have a lot of ounces at Sandberg and uh, the work to date suggests that it will make a lot of sense to, to get those ounces, a lot of those ounces via underground, not just upper pit. Are, so, are the grades getting higher as you go deeper? We have higher grade zones deeper, absolutely. Uh, no, well, but you can be talking about over 200 meters deep. No, so you start stretching the limits of a pit with topography. You've seen the topography there. It's not flat, right? So we have rolling hills, and 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 uh, you don't want to be moving the hills and things to get to the earth. So underground becomes an option, definitely. Okay, and one other question about San Jose. Although, first of all, in terms, last thought on the ruling there, just. I know, I imagine it's not your favorite thing to deal with because it's a distraction. Although, again, given that's the kind of thing that comes up with permitting issues, um, I think something that is important to investors because you've shown that you handle these things and get through them. Although perhaps uh, onto something a little more fun from there. San Jose, I've heard you mention before that 12 years ago when you went into production, you had a five-year life of mine. You've doubled the mill capacity and it's still going and recently had the discovery of the Yesi vein where now you have some drill rigs down there and just curious if there's anything additional that you've learned there. Obviously it's early for the drill results to come back, but anything that you could share on that? Yes, Yesi is an exciting discovery, a very exciting discovery. 
the discovery hole intersected almost 10 meters at 1.2 kilograms silver per ton. That's a silver gold equivalent. No? So when you start measuring grade in kilograms and over width, 10 meter width, you have to get excited, right? But now the work is to understand if this most exciting discovery translates into also an exciting resource reserve, right? And that's a journey, a small journey. We need time. So we are drilling uh, and, and trying to build geologic understanding and see how meaningful this is. Uh, not from the perspective of a discovery, but from the perspective of mind feed. But everything starts with an exciting discovery and we got that one under our belts. Uh, and, and we just need some uh, months now to, to uh, see how successful this translates, how successfully this translates into uh, a sizable high-grade research, which is everybody's expectation here, right? We need to prove that. Okay, well, good to see that we're in progress towards doing so. And last one for me, unless uh, Greg or Dave come, have come up with any additional questions, but just something that obviously has been going on sector-wide with the mining space. Obviously, it's been a challenging and testing bear market over the past year and a half. And I think it was after we stopped recording last time that you were mentioning your thoughts on how this compared to the other cycles that you've seen in your career doing this. And perhaps you could just share to folks across the mining space, many of whom feel a little beaten up, but just how this compares to previous cycles and anything you might want to impart in terms of what perhaps brings this to an end or has been a turning point in, in previous times we've been through this. Yeah, to, to Greg's uh, point earlier, no, how do you attract uh... In, in investors to the sector, uh, a dividend or, or you know, uh, yeah, I, I think this is one of the toughest uh, markets we, I, I, I seen. I seen difficult markets, for example, in, the two, in 2000, 99, 2000, that was a most difficult market, but correspondingly, the, the precious metals at the time, gold and silver, gold was trading at $300 or even lower and silver was trading at three, four dollars, right? So uh, sure enough, commodities were uh, very lonely. No mining equities were, sorry, mining equities were in, in the tank. Uh, but today we have uh, nominal high prices and, and, and still I find a lot of apathy uh, on, on the equities, right? But I find explanations for that in the fact that our margins have are, are very constrained, right? Uh, for the entire sector, as I said, a decade ago in 2011, uh, we were mining at similar commodity prices for gold, not silver, but for gold. But our all-in sustaining cost 12 years ago was what? Average all-in sustaining cost was sub a thousand dollars, right? Uh, Today, all average only sustaining cost is fourteen hundred, and you're selling gold at nineteen hundred. So, what's your, you know, you don't invest in mining for twenty five percent margin, right? You invest for three times margin, three hundred percent margin, right? 
And uh, that means that gold would have to be at three, four thousand dollars at least. You know, I, I am not promoting gold at three, four thousand dollars. I have other peer CEOs that like to do that and, and people who are much smarter than me who analyze markets. Uh, my, 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 my job is to provide a company that can perform in any price environment. And uh, so if we believe that gold is going to go higher and silver is going to go higher, you will benefit with that in Fortuna. But if it takes a while for that to happen, and and uh, and if we have to tolerate in the meantime some crazy swings to the downside, you have to sleep well that your investment in Fortuna is sound, right? And and that is my job, right? Is my job is not to speculate with gold and silver. That's something investors can do according to their investment plans and strategies and whatnot. I, I am here every day. We're all here. There is 5,000, 6,000 people in Fortuna every day working in high prices, medium, and low prices. So we need to, that, that, that's our job, right? Uh, so sometimes I feel for the gold precious metals investor because you have to time when you come in, right? When, when your thesis, your investment thesis, and uh, I don't have to do that. I'm here every day. <laughs> So, so uh, I have other challenges, but not that one. <laughs> well, that that certainly is a big enough one, uh, and a lot of challenges that go along with everything you've been doing. And just appreciate you being here, and want to again say congratulations on seeing the results of obviously a couple of decades, but in particular the last two years of work in building the mine and really seeing it come through with a strong quarter. So. Congratulations to you and uh, to our audience. Again, I'll once mention that's Jorge Ginoza, President and CEO of Fortuna Silver, and Dave Pranzler, Investment Research Dynamics. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Good to see you. And Greg, it's also a pleasure to have you from Golden Coast Consultants on, on the show again. So with that said, we will wrap up for today. But Hope everybody's having a great day out there. Thanks, as always, for spending some of your time with us, and we will see you again soon.